2: Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. I'm joined today by one oh one great goals writer Ben Browning. How you doing mate? You good? You well? Yeah,
0: thanks for having me back. Been been doing well. Been surviving. Yeah. things,
2: Ben, of course, is, is a former colleague of mine from when I was at one oh one and uh yeah, it's been a while since we've had a catch up. So but things are good in the world of, of writing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's transfer season. There's always stuff to write about, and there's always the same thing to write about again and again and again. But, you know, mm, aside
2: yeah. from usually, that, right. it's all right. Or, or do 8 a.m. shows every single day about every single day, every single day, every single day. So, yes.
0: This season, we've only been linked with about five players.
2: Oh, no, it's been really tough. There's been nothing to talk about at all. Uh, it's been a real bore. <laughs> no, of course, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been hectic, it's fair to say. It's been hectic indeed. But uh, welcome, everybody that's joining us in the live chat box thank you so much for doing so Apologies, there was no 8am show as was try and take one day off uh, a day and, and sundays have kind of become that day so apologies for that but we'll be back as normal tomorrow at 8 a.m but i am trying to do more of these afternoon and evening shows for you guys so uh, i hope it's worth it just a massive first of all big thank you to hugo uh, Juregard, uh i believe i hope that's pronounced correctly um thank you so much for becoming a member really appreciate the support on the channel and of course to everybody else joining us but i'm sure you're all giving hugo a massive welcome in the chat box already uh the reason for this show and what is becoming a little bit more common on the channel is a little bit of a reaction to kind of some of the big talking points around arsenal and uh, some of the things that get discussed on other youtube channels and also what's get discussed on twitter um and i had uh, i had a couple of not back and forth, because it was literally just one reply. But I saw a tweet uh, from a Football 365's uh, writer, Jason Souter, uh, who said, next season is massive for Mikel Arteta. Zero excuses now. The whole squad will be his, and the overhaul will have been basically complete. Uh, now, before I give you kind of my views on this, Ben, I'm curious just to kind of get your reaction to this concept of Arteta having no excuses next season, uh, if we indeed do complete what our prospective business is this summer.
0: Yeah, I think it's because he doesn't have any previous pedigree that everyone needs to see this sort of concrete step up, I suppose, into what he's always been promised to be as a, a top manager, into that translating with the players on the pitch. And I think with other managers like, you know, Antonio Conte, for example, you can point to Inter Milan, you can point to Chelsea, and Eric Ten Hag you can point to Ajax. With Arteta, there's always going to be that, well, he's come straight from Manchester City as an assistant coach. Yes. And I think that there's always until something concrete happens in league in the league because obviously we won the FA Cup with them. That that goes under the radar that we won the FA Cup playing with a back three with you know Tierney at left wing back, Abamang at left wing. That was a cobbled together squad. Mm. But this the idea of this project is, I suppose, that it needs to start translating onto the pitch and off the back of that fourth place disappointment last season at the end. By the end, um, I suppose there's sort of added pressure to push on from there and take third and
2: fourth place this season. Yeah. And I think that when it comes to Arsenal's previous transfer business, obviously we've not seen Arsenal really go aggressively into the market at the start of the window for quite some time. You know, the last early signing I really remember was Ann two years ago. We got that deal sorted pretty, pretty early on. And then the other big summer <clears throat> was the um, Santi Cazorla, Podolsky, Olivier Giroud summer where we got kind of that business done really early i think alexis sanchez was done fairly early as well i think it was done before the emirates cup because he obviously debuted in that in that mini tournament if you will but uh you know for me i'm i'm really struggling with the idea of throwing on the pressure in june you know i get the idea of you know we've got expectations and we want to push towards champions league qualification and trust me i sat here and have said a number of times that for next season, I need to see progress. And I don't feel like there is anything left to progress except to qualify for the Champions League next season because we basically finished as high as we possibly could without doing that. Um, So either winning the Europa League next year or finishing in the top four is, is the two ways we can progress. But at the same time, and whilst I can have a balanced view about that, I am struggling, Ben, with this kind of pressure already, you know, inst- and we haven't even completed, you know, this business. And I know that I sat here with French yesterday talking about kind of how good this transfer window could be, but I'm struggling with throwing the pressure onto Arteta. One, before we've even done this business that we're trying to do. And secondly, when it's June, you know, <laughs> like I-, I will be happy to sit in November if we've lost our first five out of 10 odd games and say, this isn't good enough. But in June, I just can't quite get my head around why we would want to
0: pile the pressure on at this point. I think that a lot of people seem to suggest that the earlier you do your business, the better that is. And, you know, that makes... That you win the trans, Winning the transfer window is like a big thing now, isn't it? Where, you know, Arsenal win the transfer window. Spurs were winning it a week ago when yeah. they signed Basuma, And now we're winning it because we've got Rafinha and Gabriel Jesus on the way, potentially. And people seem to forget it doesn't shut until second of September or whatever it is mm. this year. And Chelsea will spend. Chelsea are gonna probably get Sterling by the looks of it. They're linked with Delitt, they might get Dembele. Mm. It's not like Arsenal are improving in a vacuum. The whole every team around them is trying to improve. And Man United, I suppose, are the only one that you can say they've only really gone for De young so far. But Chelsea mm. will have Chilwa back, you know, Rhys James will be fine. They'll bring in those players. Spurs will improve. They'll have content for the whole season. There's a lot more nuance, I suppose, to it than just oh, Arsenal signed five really good players. That means we need to suddenly, you know, become third, fourth, best team in the league.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Whilst we continue on with this discussion, what I would like to say is this is an open forum for today's show. If you would like to come on and say you're sitting here and listening, what on earth are Ben and Tom talking about? I don't agree with a single thing these idiots are saying. Well, you've got the chance to come on and tell us where your views differ. And of course, how you feel about the situation. If you think genuinely Arteta has no excuse next season at all, if we pull off this business, then do get in touch. You can tweet me at the Guna Talk TV and you can get in touch via Instagram as well and come and voice your views on this afternoon's show as well. We're going to be sticking around for a a fair chunk of time um, discussing this. And of course, a lot of comments from the chat box of which is where I want to kind of go to next. Uh, Akshat says, there are mainly two parties, uh, for the most part. Those that indulge in these narratives, the salty rival fans and the people that weren't convinced by the manager since day one and refused to open their mind. How much do you think this plays into it, Ben? Do you think there is kind of um, a rhetoric from a portion, it is always important to say a portion, you know, of, of, of Arsenal fans that have got kind of this complex around Arteta isn't good enough and doesn't matter what happens, he won't be good enough. And so, therefore... It's just constant pressure. He has to do this, has to do this, has to do this. And you can never kind of take a step back and go, you know, fair play for doing this and fair play for achieving what we did last season and fair play for this business that we're seeing now. Is that a fair kind of a a summary of of a certain situation? Yeah, I
0: think, especially on social media, there's a Mm. definite vocal minority that will, you know, peddle, I suppose, not negative views, but, you know, doubts for various reasons, like maybe they believe them, mm. maybe they think it will get them more traction on social media or whatever. But I mean, when you go in and around the stadium, for example, I was there a few times last season, you don't have any of this. You have people supporting the team. And if, you know, if they, if they take a step back and go, well, we didn't quite do it, but we suddenly, the gap between the players and the fans got so much closer last season. You know, we improved at the side. We got 69 points with the youngest side in the league. Like, and that was with three of our key players injured for the last 10 games. And that had a massive effect mm. This summer we look like we're strengthening in key areas. All of a sudden, nobody's gonna, you know, have a horrid intake of breath when they see Saka might be injured for a game and might have to play Pepe because you might have Rafinha there. You know, you might have mm. Gabriel Jesus with Nketiah coming on in 60 minutes. There's it's it's progress, but it might not necessarily translate because, as I say, we don't improve in a vacuum. Then there's the World Cup to think about. There's all these things that you can't say are excuses, but they're things that are going to happen. Like they they are just factually going to happen and that we're going to have to deal with them.
2: That's how we deal with them. Yeah I think how we deal with them is ultimately going to define Arsenal's season because you know you can spend a ridiculous amount of money as Manchester United have shown and bring in some players that you know if Arsenal would sign Jaden Sancho, Rafa Varane and Ronaldo you might have been thinking about Arsenal season very differently at the start but actually it's about how you bring those components together that's the most important thing. So that ultimately brings up another angle I suppose is that you know we can bring in Rafinha, we can bring in Gabriel Jesus and Fabio Vieira and Nessandro Martinez. But a test of Arteta this season is how he's going to fit all those parts together and, and how he's going to get the most from them. Uh, Chris says, I think we need to reserve judgment for a while. If we bring in all of our targets, great. Uh, but if we don't and they don't gel, I don't think that makes Arteta or Edu's fault. What do you make of that? I, I slightly disagree with the last part because, you know, they've got this plan. They've got the targets and it's their job To make sure the players they bring in are the right profile to assimilate, if you
0: know what I mean? Yeah, I think I can agree with that, but also there's there's a nuance to it that you know you might think that they're the perfect fit, and then three months down the line they're not suddenly Mm. as interested, or they're not training as well, or they're not reacting as well to what you thought they were going to do. Like say Fabio Vieira for example, if he has if he joins or he has joined for thirty five million, and three months down the line he's not quite kicked on. I don't think it makes it Arteta already's fault. I think what you need to do then is like, where do you go from there? And I mean, Fabio Vieira is a terrible example because he's, what, 22, so plenty of time for him still. But, you Mm -hmm. know, it's about getting the right players in the door. And if they don't work, get them out the door again. You can have, like we we did with William. You know, you need to keep keep moving the squad forward regardless of, you know, if if we've got bad apples, get them out again. And you don't, it doesn't necessarily, not every move has to be 100% correct, I suppose is what I'm saying. But it's about Mm -hmm. making sure that you rectify those mistakes early.
2: Um, Roland says, honestly, I'm not against Arsenal signing Rafinha, but I think it is, in my opinion, a a better option out there, uh, cheaper and more productive. Uh, Edon Zagrova uh, from Lille, uh, of course, formerly of of Basel. He's produced quite a lot since moving to to Liga. Um, He also plays on the right, in fairness, and, you know, similar to Rafinha in the sense that there's that conflict with Saka. What do you make of the idea of bringing in a wide forward that plays predominantly on the right and will have to compete with Saka for minutes next season.
0: Um I I really like it and I've got I've got a fair bit of pushback to this um mm. recently. But I think that if you watch the especially the last 10 15 games of the season, Saka was knackered. You know, you'd watch yeah. him after, after about sixty minutes he'd be looking to the bench like can I come off please I'm I'm dying out here. We're going down with Cramp, you know, there were a couple of times when he went down and everyone just sort of held their breath like, are we gonna have to bring on Pepe and that's not, you know, that's no slight against him, but he's not an Arteta player, quite clearly. Arteta doesn't like him, or doesn't like the way he plays, or what he does with the ball. Um, and I think Saka is such an important cornerstone to this side. That if you don't have a good backup for him, or you know, someone who can provide competition, and let, let's not forget, Rafinha can play on the left, Saka can play on the left, Saka mm. can play uh, in other girls' positions. there's, there's loads of positional flexibility. But ultimately, we're looking at a stage where if Saka picks up a knock or needs to be rested, we're not suddenly going, well, what are we going to do? And I think that's really important for the next step.
2: Yeah, and I think obviously four competitions next year as well, you know, you think about Europa League, League Cup, FA Cup, Premier League. And as you said, Saka, I think, played was the only player that played a part in all 38 games of the Premier League season last year. And by the end, he was shattered. Now, some people pointed towards Arteta and said he should have been managed better. But... When your target is Champions League and only one loss cost us, you know, getting into that competition, I can't really sit back and blame the manager for continuing to press on with using our best player to try and get us the maximum points from those games that we had because dropping them could have cost us even more points. You know, for me, you know, there are reasons why we didn't make the top four last season. We're kind of bringing it back round to you know today's discussion and and what we're talking about around the idea of there being no excuses. If I just read you. My reply um, that I put to to Suter on Twitter, which was you know, based around that tweet for those that have joined us late, we're just kind of talking about the idea of um, Arteta having no excuses next season with the signings that we're prospectively trying to bring in. I said, I struggle with these views in June. I, for one, I'm looking forward to the season. The whole no excuses rhetoric designed to create fast backlash is simply not the way forward from a fandom perspective. I'd say fair play for this window, and I can't see what, I can't wait to see what we do with it. Um, To which, to be fair to him, um, he replied and said, that's a fair way to look at it. Uh, This is James Suter's response. Um, But there should be a lot of pressure as the manager of Arsenal. Pressure slash no-excuse rhetoric doesn't have to be taken negatively. But I I didn't see too much positive around throwing out, you know, this idea of there being no excuses next season in June prior to already, not already getting in your targets. Do you know what I mean? I, I struggle to see what isn't negative about, piling the pressure on on the 25th of June?
0: I mean, I suppose when we've we've got our targets or we're going to get our targets and you look across to the other teams that maybe haven't got all of theirs yet, you know, Tottenham are stalling on a deal for Jed Spence, I think, and Richarlison's, well, that's up in the air. And then Chelsea obviously haven't got Sterling in yet. They were linked with Jonathan Klaus, but that hasn't been done yet. When we do our business early, I suppose it almost brings forward all of the hype and expectation to now, to where people are going, well, now you've got to do this because you've done it early. And, you know, you've got that. Because another thing was the whole pre-season. Do you remember back at the start of our test? It was, oh, well, he hasn't had a preseason, or he hasn't had a pre with these players. And now it's, well, have a pre-season. They're running out of, I suppose, reasons why we're not doing well.
2: What do you think they are? What do you think those reasons would be that we wouldn't do well? This season? Yeah, prospectively, yeah.
0: I mean, an injury, we're still, still an injury to Thomas Party or Takahiro Tomiyasu away from playing players that are Europa League level. Um, you know, you've got to hope that Samuel Le comes on a long way in quite a short space of time if you're going to play hmm. him instead of on any. I don't know to what extent the new signings are going to sort of mitigate the importance, I suppose, of like Party or Tam- Tomiyasu because they were last season, they were the cornerstones, weren't they? Like, Yes. Tommy Tomyasu Party Saka Erdegaard. You couldn't take any of them out. They were the players that we needed, and two of them were injured. And now it's you know, we need to, you need to keep them fit, and then you've got you've got to have people you have got to have more faith in Elmeni, I suppose, than most of the fan base do to give them that contract and say to them, right, you're you're backing up Thomas Party. I mean you look at Man City and they're backing up Rodri with Calvin Phillips. So the the difference is is astounding. Mm. So I suppose Absolutely. In that sense, we are, as I said, an injury to Thomas Party, an injury to Tommy Asu, as it stands right now with how the is looking like it will shape up, to being sort of back to where we were almost, where you've got loads of really good parts, but that one connecting piece is sort of just missing. Hmm.
2: I did say at the start of the show um, that this was an open forum, and if you guys wanted to come on and have your say about this with myself and Ben, you could do that. The lines are still open at us at The Goonah Talk TV and on Instagram via The Goonah Talk. You can find us on either of those channels, send us a DM, and I'll do my best to try and get on the show. Let's bring on our first uh, caller of the day. It's Chris. How are you doing, Chris? Are you good? Hey, Tom. How are you doing, mate? Very good, man. How is it down under? Tell me how the weather's like. I'm sure it's brilliant, as always.
1: Mate, I've moved. You've moved? Where are you now? i moved to Thailand, mate. I've, I've oh, got... fair. <laughs> yeah. Cost never of living said. is so much lower. It's beautiful here. Fair play, man. Fair
2: play. Glad to hear you're doing good and well. Tell me what your thoughts are kind of around this topic at the moment about the idea that Mikel Arteta has no excuses uh-huh. um, if we get in our top targets for next season.
1: It's just boring, unnecessary, added pressure. Give it a break. We're, like, in the middle of maybe our best transfer window ever that I can remember, and they're still bringing, like, these negative – I was going to swear then – these negative garbage (laughs) towards the club. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. If people are whinging, like, come December, if we've been on a bad run, then fair. The team's not gelling. Fair. Start pointing fingers, but not now. Not now. Enjoy the links to, like, really good players. I think I haven't been this excited about a transfer window ever. I think this has been really good. Every player we've been linked to, I've yeah, I've been excited about.
2: Mm. And it's not just links anymore either, because of course, you know, we've got yeah. Fabio Vieira, surprisingly out of nowhere. We love that. I mean, myself and Ben as journalists oh, yeah. sitting there cringing at the fact that we weren't able to get that information <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> the it came out. Um, but uh, no, it's, I always, as a fan, I love it when that kind of thing happens because it kind of reinvests yeah. my faith that the club are working. And, you know, we... Did a story on Football London where, you know, we, we revealed about Arsenal strategies that they're putting in place so that that happens more often and we don't hear anywhere near as much as we have done in the past. But yeah. obviously, it's impossible to stop all the information coming through. And hence why we know about Jesus that looks very close yep. at the moment, Rafinha that Arsenal are really pushing for. And, and of course, Nessandro Martinez as well. And all of that yeah. kind of combines to, to build up this expectation. But Ben, what do you make of Chris's comments there? you know, about the idea of it being basically garbage right now. Just to use your word, Chris, and I appreciate you yeah, deviating yeah, from this. <laughs> to, to get that out,
0: that was great. But no, what do you make of what, what you said there? Yeah, I think I was trying to be all diplomatic about it. But yeah, I think that nah. for, for the most part, it's bang on. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to see Arsenal at, you know, 2003-4 levels now and then they don't, I mean, I don't suppose they don't appreciate it. Maybe, maybe it just sort of for the sake of their argument, they don't quite factor in how much the Premier League's changed. You now it's, it's six horses now in a race instead of four. You know, there's so much more money in it. You can't really outsmart the market as much anymore. Yeah. It's it's changed massively, but people still want to try and hold Arsenal to the same sort of standards. And then there's, you know, there are certain people on Twitter that will point back to, you know, when well, Wenger got sacked for not getting four horse or whatever. Yeah. And the, the whole landscape's changed quite drastically. And I think that is something that, is perhaps overlooked in those sorts of arguments.
2: Yeah, big time. Let's uh, let's bring on Tarun Super what Just want to get your thoughts on Chris. Uh, Tarun says getting into the Champions League is a non-negotiable. I love the irony of you, Ozil Arteta, saying for me this is a sport of overachieving. If we want to be that club, and I assume by that club he means getting back to obviously where we were as a team back in the in the early two thousands, late nineties, and before that for many years as well in other eras, uh, the target should mirror that. What do you make about that? Because I I can't disagree with what Tarun's saying there. You know that's where we have to target. We have to be looking to try and get to that level. But it's about for me this idea of adding pressure that I'm struggling with in June.
1: Yeah, look, top four is like has to be our goal. Even top three at the moment, I feel that Chelsea's having a bit of a bad window. Mm. Um, depending on like how they go it towards the end of it, like but they've they've ran out of centre backs. Um, the third and fourth spots open for grads, I think it's our target, but it all depends on how the season goes. Like, the season is a 38-game period, but it's really, like, it's all about fine margins. Like, last yeah. year we could have finished fourth if it wasn't for a couple of games. That run against, like, Palace and that, the three games we lost there, it's all fine margins. So you just got to see how the team's gel, gelling together, how they're playing together, and then the results, see how they fall into place. But, yeah, fourth, look. Fourth is what we want. And uh, we got close this year, but it's looking better now, especially with these new signings. Come on. Come on. Who's exciting you the most about the new signings? Um, the only one that's through the door. That's how I'm kind of treating it so far. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. So, so yeah, Fabio Vieira, yeah. he's like a throwback to like how Wenger used to sign like diminutive, skillful players for the midfield, but then used to throw them out wide. Riziki, Alexander Kleb. um a for a bit. Yeah, mm. so I think I think he'll come off the right a little bit as well. If but now that we're signing Rafina, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm really excited about him. But the one that I like the look of is Lissandro Martinez as well. But I've seen you guys talk about like his position. You think that he'll be like the left-footed second uh center back mm. for Gabriel? I don't think so.
2: Yeah, where do you see I think him we're more?
1: I think we're signing I think we're signing him for the midfield. Really? I think he'll be. He'll play at the number six when party will push up into the eight and Zhaka will go to the bench, or the other way around. Hmm. I think he'll play in the role of Zhaka's role by party screens for the four defenders, and Odegaard will sit next to him. Chris, That's thank, what you I
2: so think. thank you so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate That's you coming right, on. Mate. We're going to get our next caller on very shortly, right, but on. thank you for jumping on as always. And I'll speak right, to you mate. very soon. Have a good one, bro. <laughs> See, you later. See you guys. Bye Massive thank you to Chris uh, for coming on the channel and having a chat as always. Before we get our next guest on, uh, Ben, I want to get your reaction to a couple more comments uh, from the chat box. Vignesh says, I disagree completely with the view that it depends on how the team gels. That is the job of the manager. By saying this, we are already setting excuses up. What do you make of the comment? Uh,
0: I mean, I, I understand the, the sentiment. I'm not sure that well, it is like, the
2: manager's job, isn't it? To, it to, is you know, to the manager's the job
0: to get them to jail. And as you say before, you know, it's the manager's job to get the right players in the door. Hmm. And I think that, that probably is a fair comment, you know, like, but at the same time, I know I, I, I think I'd probably do this. I do agree with that for the most part. Hmm. I will not yeah, quibble okay. with it too much.
2: Let's get some more thoughts on it from our next caller. Let's bring in Tariq. How are you doing, Tariq? You doing good? You're well?
3: Hey, Tom. Thanks for letting me come on, man. I'm good. And nice to meet them, you, Ben, as well.
0: Yeah, lovely to meet you too.
3: Smashing stuff. I left the comment up
2: because I'm curious to get your
3: thoughts on this one because
2: I think it's a fair point. You know, it is the job of the manager to identify targets with his recruitment team that he feels are going to be the best people for the job. Um, so therefore, is there an argument here that it doesn't matter, you know, who comes in? If they don't gel, that's then fingers being pointed towards the coach.
3: Yeah, I've got I kind of agree with that. Um I kind of go with the thought and the notion of there is no excuses and my big reason for that is as Vignesh is saying here is it's his decision and we know with Arteta he does have a lot of power in transfers and players that he wants to bring in. And with the players that we have been linked with and this is of course we're talking about this as if we do bring all the players that we are strongly linked to is A lot of them are Premier League proven players when we're talking about if Tielemans happens, but of course that's up in the air, but Rafinha, players that have been, Jesus, players like Lissandro Martinez who have been proven at the top level in the Champions League for Ajax and Fabio Vieira doing it in a top Portuguese league, winning the league there. And of course, some of these players will need time to develop. But on top of the players that we have signed and the the core that we have built in with the spine with last season, bringing in Ramsdale, bringing in Benjamin White Mm -hmm. and then Tommy Asu and those players and that core to build from, I do feel like he does have no excuses in that sense. And he has been given a lot of power at the club by Edu. And this is coming from someone who's very, Tom knows this, and I'm very much uh, someone who's Arteta in. And someone who's supporting the process. And I do see a lot of where, um, in terms of tactically, in decision making, which I've supported a lot of. And yeah, and I really do see what Arteta has done. Um, but he does, the pressure that has been put upon him now by, you know, by saying no excuses. I hear where you're coming from in that, time, mm. But that pressure comes with expectation. And I'm sure a lot of us, and it'd be nice to hear your thoughts if we do get these signings what what's your minimum expectation of the club for next season
2: for me it is as i've said to get back into the champions league that has to be the target because for me i don't see any other way of progressing next season that if arsenal finish 5th next year w- w- that's not us progressing forwards is it that's us you know we've we've stagnated if we do that we're we're not going i think that there's obviously the there are factors some people this is where kind of the word excuses comes into it for some you know i don't look at it as excuses i think there are reasons why arsenal didn't get top 4 last season that are not Quote unquote excuses. You know, the injuries, as Ben pointed out, to players like Partey and Tierney and Tommy Asu at crucial points in the season for me cost us. Had those players been fit, I have no doubt we get three extra points in the season, no, with no doubt in my mind at all. And I think obviously that could come into play next year. Yes. The difference is obviously if we add 150 million plus pounds worth of player to the squad next year. The factors like injury should, in theory, have less of an impact on our prospective, you know, ambitions. Ben, what do you? How would you answer the question? Would it be something on those similar lines?
0: Yeah, I think that you you have to look at where we fell short last season and look to strengthen that in this window, Mm. Um, or at least have faith in the players that, you know, I suppose didn't deliver last season, but maybe improve the pieces around them to give them maybe less responsibility or you know they're less focused upon like Cedric and Elneny for example um but I think they're also like Thursday, Thursday Sunday is never an easy schedule and I think you need you need a lot of players to be able to do it and do it well um and I think that if Arsenal want to go deep in every competition this season I was looking at the stats you're looking at Someone like Saka, for example, he plays every game for England, and if he plays every game for Arsenal, he'd be playing something like seventy games next season between August and May, um, mm. which is ridiculous. So that's—I that, that, mean—that goes back to my point about why well, I think Rafinha was a, a really important signing, despite you know all the jokes about having already got a right winger and need not needing another one. But I think that the squad depth you need to have, you need to improve the bits that are weak, and I think to an extent we're doing that because if you look at the bench next, or this this season, when you look, when you take Saka off, you've got Pepe, or you can switch wings with Martinelli, and put Martinelli on the right, and Smith are on the left, and now you're suddenly looking at Rafinha, and going, well, mm. that's, that's a massive improvement.
2: Yeah, Jimmy Matt kind of hits the, the big question, with the nail on the head, Tariq for me, you know, he says, Tom, if he doesn't get top four, nor win the Europa League, should he go? That's That's the question. If you say yes, then we are saying the same thing. Now, I feel like it's an impossible question in June to answer because we don't know what the season holds for me. You know, my expectation is champions league qualification next season, but there are things that can happen across the season. You know, my expectation was get back into Europe last year, but as the season progressed, you know, my expectations did change a bit because of the position we'd granted ourselves. And I was hoping that we'd get top four now, because those expectations changed based upon what we did because of the decisions that were made by the coach and the performances of the players. You know, I was willing to go, you know what, because we didn't meet my changing expectations, I'm. Not, it's not for me, you know, cut and dry as you go. But next season, do you think that does change? So if he doesn't get top four, does he go
3: in your mind? Yeah, and a big reason for that is because when we're talking about, you mentioned it about the progression, um, and the progression of the side. And I feel when I'm looking at Arsenal, the only area that that leaves me with a slight bit of doubt is in that defensive midfield role, and um, that's where Samuel Conga. I know you've been speaking about in saying that he has the ability, certainly has the technical ability, and the you know the mentality from what we see, even how he posts on social media, um, and he talks a lot about mindset in taking it to that next level, but he's still yet to prove that. Whereas when we're looking at our defence now, a settled back line, when we had our starters in Tierney, Tommy Asu, Gabriel mm-hmm. and Ben White, we was a much stronger outfit at the back. And then adding Ramsdale into it, too. So we've got a good base to start from and then in midfield with Thomas Partey in there and then adding in a Yuri Tiedemans or a centre midfielder that can progress upon Xhaka and keep Jacker in the squad, by the way, because, of course, when, when Tom does his tactical breakdown, we actually see a little bit more how important he is into the side and how good he actually is. So Tom does an amazing job on that. And right. we need to have that. I didn't pay have him to that say that, i just, field, just letting field. you know. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paid yeah. for. Is that, is that the check? Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, things are the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But And then going forward into our attack now, which a lot of fans have said, why are we spending so much money on the we When our issue and the question that was posed in Arteta last season is, why aren't we playing Pepe? Why is Saka playing so many games? And when he's definitely looking unfit, that attack going forward now, adding in a Fabio Vieira as um, an alternative or a complement to Erdegaard given the game scenario and the game situation with the five substitutions and whatnot, we have so much imbalance going back and forth and that's why he needs to get um, Champions League qualification, even if he finished fifth, but we've won the Europa League. Of course, we'd still have discussions then and there would be a more doubt about Arteta's c- potential. But for me, I would say he's achieved his objective and that's getting into Champions League football. Um, and that's the main thing for me. I, I, I do not see a world, unless... There is an a Liverpool esque type of injury crisis that we hear, and of course that is a possibility. But that's for me not an excuse, and it would be unfortunate if that happened. But he would essentially still have to be moved on, and not and there's some acceptance of responsibility that he would have to take.
2: Hmm. Tariq, thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate you jumping on. As always, tell people where they can
3: find you and what you're going to be up to on your own channel. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, you can find me at Tariq Talks. It's not an Arsenal-predominantly-based channel, but it I do talk a lot about Arsenal, of course, being an Arsenal fan. But yeah, we're talking about a lot more transfers and discussing the Premier League season and Champions League overall. Thanks for having me on, Tom. Nice no problem, you well. mate. Make,
2: me? Absolutely. Make sure you Take check care, out man. Tariq's channel, as always. Have a good one, bro. See you later. Massive thank you to Tariq. Uh, put some really good across opinions there, Ben, didn't he? Smashed it. Um, lovely stuff. Um, let's bring on our next caller uh, for our next conversation. Uh, let's bring in Arjit. How are you doing, Arjit? You good, Joel?
4: Yeah, yeah. I am good.
2: Good stuff. Uh, where do you kind of sit, mate, on this excuses line for Arteta? Where, where's your head at with this argument?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, considering the last season where like I think there was progress, but... Uh, as you also said like last minute we kind of uh came close to the finish line but just didn't go past it with the champions league thing mm-hmm. but i still think it was an okay season not brilliant but still not bad so this season yes if we if arteta gets his players and especially the big thing which has been uh, which has been getting the striker which uh, arteta never brought a striker of his own uh, in his tenure so yeah if he gets that and uh, if we have the first 11 especially, and the bench, which can, uh, which mm. we think is enough for a top four, then if he doesn't get it, then yeah, uh, there will be no excuses, I think. Uh, and it also could be in the form of winning the Europa League, of course. So, mm. yeah, let's see.
2: Absolutely, there is two opportunities. Um, just before I get Ben's thoughts on this, what do you make of the idea of talking about it in June, like the timing of these conversations. I agree with you that I think it's going to be very difficult if we don't, say, achieve next season um, those Champions League qualifications. It'd be very difficult to defend Arteta. But what do you kind of make about piling the pressure on to the manager and the club in June?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. So, there's a big uh, star. You see, like, those uh, disclaimers things which which are there in... uh, any, any product or advertisement, it's like that. We need to give a disclaimer, mm-hmm. like, if we do the business, uh, then uh, then we can say, uh, say these things, because, uh, of course, it depends on how we strengthen the team. So I guess maybe, uh, maybe by the window ends, that might be a slightly better time uh, to say this. But yeah, I mean, uh, it depends on if we do the business.
2: Absolutely. Sam, thank you, first of all, for the donation. Really appreciate that. Well done. Love hearing respectful opinions from both sides. Uh, Speaking of both sides, uh, a question from Ronnie Pickering, star of one of the most famous um, uh, viral videos (laughs) online. If you've not seen Ronnie Pickering, go and check it out. Um, But Ben, what do you make of this question? He says, if we were to finish sixth to eighth, but won the Europa League and ultimately qualify for the Champions League, would the league position worry you? I think it would worry me. Of course, Champions League would improve us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I mean if, if you put it like that, yeah, I think it would worry me. I think that it I think it depends on how the performances are, you know, you and it depends on a lot of other things like um, you know, how the team and the fans are sort of gelling together again. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of work, I think, that has mm-hmm. gone into restoring the fans certainly at the ground, their faith in the team and the the club especially after those uh, chronic Out protests a couple of years ago. You know, now all of a sudden it seems like we've got uh, owners that want the best for the club that wasn't always clear. And, you know, you've got players that fans actually like watching and that will give their all and won't be phony and sick for any reason and things like that. I think that there's the step up for me has to be in performance and it has to be like on New Year's Day when we went toe-to-toe with Manchester City. We need to be doing that. Against the biggest sides, we can't be being four 0 by Liverpool again every time. Mm. You know, we need to be improving to the point where we're not. You know, it, it sounds it sounds stupid, but we're not getting smacked by the top two um, every time we play them. Basically, and Absolutely. I think that that is that is where the I suppose the higher level performance is what interests me more than maybe having a stupid mistake costing us three points against Southampton and you know us finishing sixth in a ridiculously tight race with Tottenham and Chelsea. You know, there's always going to be factors. If we finish sixth and it's quite clear that we've finished sixth and underperformed and we haven't done that, then yes, that, you know, that does worry you. Obviously, it worries you. Mm,
2: absolutely. What do you make of the business that we might do, Ajit, this summer? Rafinha, Gabriel Jesus, Martinez, you know, we've already got Vieira, Marquinhos, Turner, you know, there's a lot of players. Did you expect us to be this active in the market?
4: No, actually, that Rafinha thing, like, uh, I completely didn't it, Like, I thought he would go to, like, uh, Barcelona or even Liverpool, I think, might go for him if, like, Salah Mm -hmm. or Mane left. So, that thing has really surprised me. So, yeah, I mean, it has been good so far. Uh, And, like, it's a bit weird to see Arsenal uh, being so proactive, to be honest. Uh, Weird in a good way, of course. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's been good. But I also, like, I wanted to ask you one thing, Tom. Like, uh, with Gabriel Gabriel Jesus, like... uh, I know, like he, he has been good with the link-up play, but like I saw some stats now. I don't know, like uh, how much to take from it. But uh, they basically they basically discussed in the stats in the, on Sky Sports about his like uh, expected goals and uh, goals ratio, and like apparently should have scored like twelve more goals than what he scored uh, across his, all across all his years 12. in Man-, Man City.
2: Twelve goals, yeah, 12, my... 12, 12, yeah. I think. Last season think. or across his whole no. career.
4: Across, across his, his career. whole career. Mental so support. does it worry? Yeah, did it worry a bit? Because like kind of a little bit for me. But I think, yeah, like if he improves his finishing, then definitely I think he will be good. But I think his finishing might still need a bit improvement.
2: I think it's a fair question, um, to kind of question it, because you know, if you think about 12 is a lot of goals across what, four or five seasons he's been at Manchester City. I think that one of the reasons as to why that perhaps has happened is because unlike, say, you know, Tammy Abraham, Victor Rosiman, Patrick Schick, guys that play week in, week out in the striker position, you know, their role doesn't change. The difference with Jesus is his role has changed near, nearly every single game for City. He's either playing in the middle, on the right, on the left, you know, Guardiola uses him in all these different roles. And when you don't have consistency or expectation about minutes or position... I think that does affect confidence and that will affect kind of mindset in those examples so when he comes into arsenal and he's playing every minute we think you know is that number nine starting in those positions and has, you know, still a level of creativity around him that Arsenal brings, nowhere near of what Man City, of course, but certainly good enough that you would be able to create plenty of good chances for him. And Martin Odegaard was up there with the highest chance creators in the league last season. But Saka is a creative player. Rafinha, if he was to be brought in, is a creative player. And his, his XA was above eight and he only had three assists because he just didn't have the players to finish off the chances that he was creating those opportunities for. Ben, where do, what do you think of Ajit's question? Does it worry you that, that Gabriel Jesus has a, an XG or, or unexpected goals that would see him? Him, should have scored more than he has done for
0: City. Not if he gets the chances. No. I think. I think as a striker, it's just about volume of chances. And I think you're looking at you're looking at him through a Manchester City lens. When you look at him through an Arsenal lens, is he a clear upgrade on Lacazette? Yes. Is he a clear upgrade in what Arteta wants on what Aubameyang was for us? Yes. In terms of link up play, in terms of leading the line. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Aubameyang had similar big chance misses and that sort of mm. thing. You know, it was always I remember I remember, you know, bamian will miss three and then score one or score two and you know, he'll win us the game. It's 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 the nature of a striker, I think, to miss a lot of chances. Every every good striker I think misses a lot of chances.
2: Uh Yanni says XG is just that. He had chances. He is not the best goal scorer. It depends on how he develops. Argie, how do you feel about about the answers?
4: yeah i think uh you are right like he was not like a regular starter because of aguero like and a great striker as he was mm-hmm. uh he didn't get like regular chances starting chances every game i think uh yeah i mean for me like if he gets 15 or more than 15 goals uh like in his first two seasons, that will be fine and as long as like the goals are distributed across the front line uh like 30 goals i think in the far the front line i think they, that is a good like a number so mm-hmm as Long as we get like uh, those goals as a group, uh, with uh, the three or four players which we'll, we will have in the front line, like even uh, Saka and uh, Smitro along with Jesus. And also, if like a comes in, if they are distributed, like then it will help our team. Going oh,
2: thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate you jumping on the channel. Uh, tell people if you want to where they can find you and what you're gonna be up to.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh. Uh, my Instagram is AJRAY007. Uh, I post about Arsenal and also like some uh, wildlife, uh, things about wildlife because that's what I study.
2: Lovely stuff. A David Attenborough in the making. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Brilliant stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks
4: that's so much, big, mate. Thank you. I will speak
2: to you very soon. I'm sure. Have a good one. Thank you so much for coming on. Massive thank you to Ajit uh, for coming on the show and voicing his views. We're going to take uh, a few more comments from the chat box before we get our next caller on. Of course, the lines are still open. If you'd like to come onto the channel, just drop us off uh, a DM at the Gunatalk TV or, or at the Gunatalk on instagram uh send us a message and we'll do our best to try and get you on let's scroll up um goku says uh oh, i love this goku from the mandalorian now if you watch this uh, i did a morning show the other day i don't really i'm not into my star wars you know and i'm not into dragon ball z either really and so when someone put goku as their name um, I was like, is he like from Star Wars or something? And yeah, now this is stuck. We're now someone. I wonder who it is. I'm really curious who it <laughs> is that's created an account called that. That's brilliant. Um, but Goku from The Mandalorian says, I think as a focal point for Arsenal, he will flourish. This is Jesus, of course. Um, a lot of City players do claim he hit a bit of a plateau. And a lot of times players like that do fall into comfort. A move may reinvigorate Jesus. How excited are you, Ben, about you know Jesus coming to Arsenal, it seems?
0: I'm 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 very excited. I think he's probably the one that I'm most excited about. I mean, Rafinha's is the, I suppose the like, one all the way up there, the one that you never thought you'd get. But Jesus mm. is the one where I sort of think he's the guy that can fire us to Champions League football. Him and you know Eddie and Ketter if he continues his end of season form. Um, but I think that, that, I think I think that's right. I think he will improve. I think confidence, minutes, all of that sort of thing will make him better. He's only 25. You know, there's a lot of progressing for him to do. There's the Brazil squad, and he'll want to be in that Brazil squad as a number nine, I would think, because at the moment their wide areas are looking very, very busy. You know, Rafinha, Martinelli, Anthony, you know, there's lots of players that will be in Chiche's mind Mm. to play on the wings at the World Cup, whereas through the middle, they're sort of looking a little light. Um, So I think Jesus will have the chance to stake his claim as a number nine, and I think he'll be really really um motivated to take it did you watch the
2: the tim vickery video on sky when he broke down because that was a lot of people have asked me about that saying now you know like well tim spoke to the manager and how he talks about how he said he prefers to play in the wide areas you know obviously that 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 is a dated you know exchange between tim and and the manager and that doesn't necessarily represent how he feels as of today but When you heard that, did that give you any worries about us investing so much in a player that has vocally admitted he prefers to play in a position that isn't what we're probably buying him for?
0: I mean, it's always going to put doubts in your mind, but I think that if we're going to spend this much money on a player, we probably would have sat... I like to think we would have sat down and gone, right, you're you're (laughs) going to play number nine, are you okay with that? And him having gone, actually, I'd rather play on the right wing. Um, You'd think that we'd done that, and I think that as I say, the, the wings are getting much more stacked than the middle of the pitch for Brazil. So he's probably I mean, if, if I were him, I'd be looking and going, Well, they know that they know that I can play as a number nine. Yeah. I can do it to a decent level at Arsenal. I'm in that Brazil squad, I'm starting for them every game. Um and I, you know, I'd be motivated to do that personally. I mean, I can't speak for him, but that's that's how that's how my mind will go.
2: No, of course, of course. Uh, There's nearly 1,200 of you listening live on the show this afternoon. If you could drop a like on the video, we'd really appreciate the support on the channel. We are keeping the phone lines open. You know, I keep saying phone lines like it's a classic phone-in show, but all you need to do is DM me on Twitter, at TV or on Instagram, on Talk, and we'll do our best to get you on the show uh, and discuss what was our primary topic. I know we're going off on a few tangents, which is fine, because I want to address as many comments in the comment section as we can kind of around the topic of whether or not Mikel Arteta has no excuses uh, for next season. If Arsenal get the business done that they need to do Uh, Gary says, I'm much more excited over Jesus than Rafinha, to be honest. I like Rafinha. He is good, but 60 million plus is a lot, Uh, but it's not my money as you know, I always say, Um, what do you make about the price tag? Is it putting you off Rafinha in any way, or are you quite like me and Gary where it's just kind of, yeah, it's not our money, so I don't really care.
0: <laughs> I I quite like it in that Arsenal have sort of gone, he's our man. If he's sixty million, he's sixty million, but mm. that's who we want. It's the same with like Vlahovic in January. They were like, He's our man, we're willing to pay 75 million. You know, ultimately that never came through. But it wasn't a case of right, we're gonna pivot and get Maratta on loan with an option to buy at 30 million or whatever. Yeah. It's got you know, I like I quite like the I suppose, single-minded, clear vision that they have for each position. Because you norm- normally, you'll know as, a, as someone who does transfer shows, you're linked to about five or six players every day per position. And this summer, yeah. it's been sort of Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Jesus. And then it was Rafinha. Rafinha, and then you Rafinha, might, Rafinha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now, Lissandra Martinez. You haven't, mm. I haven't heard any alternatives to Lissandra Martinez. The only thing I have heard is alternatives to Tielemans, but, you know, where that goes, I don't know. But I think that Arsenal are finally getting to the point where we're like, well, we want this man and we're going to buy this guy. Mm. And if we can't get him, we'll wait. And if we can get him, we'll pay whatever it takes to get him.
2: I love this comment from Sam. Tom, the chat box is going to get a transfer daily out of you today, whether you like it or not, it seems. that Even when we're discussing something different, they're like, transfers, transfers, tell me. I need to know what's going on in the world of Arsenal right now. To be fair, Sunday's been pretty quiet. You know, I wouldn't have had minded not having the uh, the show this morning because it's not like it's gone mad. Of course, there was quite a lot of news about Rafinha yesterday and, and how Arsenal are going to, you know, trying their best to push ahead and Jesus is looking ever closer and the Lissandro Martinez still continues to, to roll forwards. But, you know, I think it's great that we've got, as you've said there, Ben, kind of these clear options early on in the window. I remember last year, you know, I remember two years ago when I first started doing the tactical breakdowns when I was still working in teaching, and like I was able to pretty much talk about a new transfer target every day. There was that many targets Arsenal were being linked to, but this summer has just been very, very much more conservative, very more targeted, specific. We have our main targets. We've got some in already. We managed to do some of the surprising news as well with Fabio Vieira, which has been great. Um, but actually, you know, seeing us be a lot more targeted gives me a lot more confidence to... You know, we know what we're doing, we know who we want, and hopefully that we can get them done as well. Um, Jack says, I can't knock the job Mikel has done so far. Look at the squad overhaul, turned us into a club with a future and finally looks like a steady improvement. Now, Following on from this comment, Ben, and this is a, a tricky question, is there any way that Arteta finishes without Champions League qualification next season in a defensible position? From who? From anyone that kind of wants to sit and say he shouldn't go. Do you know what I mean?
0: No, I don't I don't think outsiders, there's any way he finishes outside the Champions League in a defensible position. But I think that the Cronkies, I mean, the, the ones that matter effectively, mm. unless he's, unless he's you know, mass protested out. But the, I still don't Cronkies, think
2: that's going to have a change. Yeah, it? yeah.
0: I, I think the Cronkies gave him a contract after three losses. You know, they were quick. Arteta was quick to point that out. He's like, you know, never see losses like this. Whatever, they clearly believe in what he's doing,
1: mm.
0: and I think that unless they see very clear evidence that what is going on is not a step forward, you know, if I don't know, I don't know, the, I don't know why, why it wouldn't be. But like, if we if we finish fifth or sixth or whatever, and it was you know considered a step backwards, they might let him go. But I, don't, I think they've invested so much money in this project and in his players that it will be a case of well, we'll just sort of keep going with it.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if Arteta is... If they get rid of Arteta if we, say, finish similar to where we finished last season. I'd be shocked if they got rid of him. Now, they've only just renewed his contract. Um, he's here until, what, 2025? I think that was a two-year extension on top of the one year he had left. So... I I would be absolutely shocked um, if they got rid of him. In answer to that question, you know, around whether there is a defensible position, um, there's been some responses, of course, in the chat. Knuckles just simply says, no, there's no defense of it whatsoever. Whereas DJ Assassin says, yes, there is. But what I want to know is some of the reasons, you know, behind why you feel they are the positions to take. Um, DJ says there would have been a clear improvement on a coach available and waiting to take over. Uh, and one that would not lose the backing of this close-knit young group to even consider dropping Arteta. I mean, you said there, like, fans would have to kind of campaign to get him out. In what kind of scenario do you think the club would? You know, what would need to happen from a competitive standpoint? Not a fan standpoint, but, like, competitively, what do you think would need to happen for the the ownership to say, no, nah, we need to move on to someone else?
0: Um. Oh, I, th- I think I think we saw with Emery. You know, if you lose the dressing room, um, if you're getting <laughs> if you're getting battered in basically every stat apart from the final score, mm. um, you know, if you're conceding 26 shots to Watford or whatever it was, um, if you've sort of, I, su- I suppose the atmosphere at the stadium as well there's something like ma- match day atmosphere. I think plays a much bigger role than we give it credit for. Yeah, but I think that under Emery it was stale, and you know, it might not have even, it might not necessarily have been any fault of Emery because I think that he had a very tricky job and I think that you know he tried they tried to short fix it and that was something that the ownership clearly went for you
2: know oh, of course yeah
0: with Socrates and David Luiz and you know he's he's Emery spoken out about wanting and Kunku and Zaha and you know all these players that are much better than what we ended up with effectively <laughs> but I think that there was a clear disconnect between the players and the manager the fans and the manager and I think that that is where it, the sort of level it needs to get to not Maybe not toxic, but like you know, to the levels where there's discontent around everybody, and removing the manager is the easiest change to make.
2: So, say if what happened last season happens next season, where you know we we have a solid season, you know we're competitive, we're leading the race for top four the whole time, and then we just miss out at the final hurdle. Is that enough? Do you think for? I don't want to say the is to make a decision because I think the obvious answer, as we know, we we'll all know, will be no. You know, they won't make a decision based off that. But would it be the right choice to keep him on in that case?
0: Um, I don't know. Is mm. the honest answer. Um, mm. but I think that it depends on you know which managers are out there that match their philosophy at the right time. Where there are managers out there that can do better, because
2: I, I, I always is that a really that we, big factor for you? Because like you know, there's been times where the op, the options out there just haven't been there, and there's also the factor of do we trust the ownership to make the right choice when that decision comes?
1: Yeah,
0: I think I think I, after the <laughs> when we lost five 0 to Man City, third game of the season, or second game of the season, or whatever it was,
1: mm. I remember
0: we we wrote a piece on one about you know five managers that could take over from Mikel Arteta, and you look down and you sort of like, well, the best out there is Graham Potter. Mm. But that was that was the best alternative. And Graham Potter's a great manager, I think. And I think, you know, he may have done as good or better a job as Arteta or whatever. But the options weren't like, blow your socks off good. Then you're not yeah. like, well, we're going to get Zidane in instead, or we're going to get this player, this manager in or whatever. I think that there's always a, everyone's always like, sat the manager, sat the manager, sat the manager. And you sort of go, well, who are you going to bring in? And it's, ah, well, we didn't think that far.
2: Yeah, no, it's fair. Uh, I love this comment from, uh, where is it? I've just lost it. No, where is it? Uh, The Hulster who says, just saying, can we play the games first, please? (laughs) And it's it's the ironic hypocrisy, I suppose, of what we're talking about. Because, you know, we jumped on to talk about the idea of there being no excuses next season. And here we are discussing what it would take, you know, uh, for the season to end and for Arteta to no longer be here. Does that put the pressure on? I'm not sure. I think that it's important to, to have the balanced convo and to just discuss both points of view, which is why we're here talking about it now. But yeah, I, I suppose there is hypocrisy about it uh, in a weird way. Um, there's always that obsession of wanting to talk about the coach and about what they might do and what might happen. The reality of the situation right now is Arsenal are going into next season potentially with one of the best, if not the best transfer window, if they get their targets that you know we've ever seen as Arsenal fans. I, I have to plug now a show that's coming out at seven on the Gooners Pod. Mike from the Gooners Pods, uh, that Ben knows, of course, very well. But Mike, uh, Magic Mike, as he's best known, um, doing his good work over there with, with uh, of course, Owen and, and Andy, et cetera. But Mike, is producing a show specifically dedicated to the whole premise of where is the money coming from? You know, know, people talking about rival fans. We discussed this with French on yesterday's show about, you know, why everyone's getting very mad about how Arsenal have got all this money. Well, if you're questioning where Arsenal have got this money from, Make sure you tune in at 7 o'clock over on the Gooners Pods. That's the Gooners Pods. You can search up on YouTube. You will find it. Um, And Mike's doing an entire explainer with presentations and stats and numbers. I know a lot of you subscribers who subscribe here love stats and numbers, so I'm sure you'll enjoy that. So do make sure you go over there. Set your alarm at 7 p.m. UK time. Um, It'll be over there. In regards to other shows on this channel today at 8 o'clock tonight, I'm doing a bumper podcast with six people, three in two separate halves, three of our members. Um, in the first half an hour three other members from the discord in the second half an hour talking more about arsenal's transfer window so make sure you tune in at eight o'clock uk time tonight for that ben thank you so much for joining me uh this afternoon really appreciate your time always a pleasure to chat tell people where
0: they can find you and what you're going to be up to of course yeah well as you can probably see on screen uh you can find me on twitter at ben three um i try and be unbiased but i'm an arsenal fan so i, I do mostly tweet about arsenal i'm sorry um is just sort of what comes across my timeline, you know, you interact with what you get. Um yeah, I I write for one oh one, there'll be stuff on there every day, most yeah, every day for the next mm. couple of weeks. Um, you know, stuff hopefully some interviews coming, always transfer gossip, you know, the latest on whatever comes out, Where are we, Rafinha, Gabriel Jesus, uh Tielemans potentially, hopefully.
2: Mm. Um yeah, you can find me over there. Smashed it. Make sure you give Ben a follow-up on Twitter at Ben Browning 3 and all of his written work, of course, with the likes of Drew and the gang over 101. Great goal. Speaking of Drew, fingers crossed. I feel like if I say it live, it forces him to do it. Uh, We are meant to be podcasting on Monday with Drew. You'll be happy to know. And John, a Miami John, who's now Chicago John, Um, hopefully will be both on the podcast on Monday. So I've said it live. You can go and tweet, Drew, although I keep forgetting which twitter handle he has now i mean he changes it like the wind um i'm actually going to try and set you know what it is ben last time i checked it was logic
0: is it yeah it's not
2: that anymore he's changed it no he's he's hiding i swear he's hiding this man i'm gonna find it here you go it's at mixed kid remix so there you go i don't know why (laughs) maybe you can tweet and ask why it's mixed kid remix But, uh, yeah, just tweet Drew and be like, you better be on the pod on Monday. Uh, Otherwise, you know, Tom's going to come and find you. Actually, I don't need to because he's coming over in August. So he's actually coming to me. So I'll be able to do it then. But thank you, Ben, again for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time, as always. Thank you, listeners, for listening, as always. Do drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed this chat. And, of course, we're trying to do more of these discussion shows around more social Arsenal opinions based upon the news, of course. But we will be back tomorrow morning as well at 8am, giving you all the latest Arsenal transfer news. And of course, I'll be live later on this evening at 8pm with six of our Discord members for further transfer chat as well. Thank you to all of our guests that we've had come on today for our phone-in and a massive thank you to Ben again as well. (laughs) We will see you one more time today at 8. But other than that, it's been a real pleasure. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute.